We're speaking about. I'm good. Yes, my God. No, I'm good. We're speaking about the khuluq of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and in general, the definition of khuluq. So, to recap, khuluq is the state of the heart. It's the inner image, what I look like inside, and it is a steady state of the heart. So, for example, we gave the example, if I'm speaking about the khuluq, the character of generosity, of karam, I can only be said to have that khuluq when I am always generous. When it springs from me naturally, without struggle, without deliberation. Then I am kareem. Before that, I am struggling to be generous. Now, it can't be overstated how important this topic is in our deen. The importance of khuluq and akhlaq. It cannot be overstated. Both in my own personal development and understanding of Islam. The centrality of khuluq. The ulama say that all of the signs of purification, all of it is khuluq. All of it. They say that the one who is better in you in tasawwuf is because he's better in you in khuluq, period. That is, it is the measure, the underline, italicize, bold, 20 font, the measure of the state and purity of my qalb, my khuluq, my inner being, my inner character. And as we shall see, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in so many texts says that إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ That I was only sent the reason, the singular reason why Allah sent me to you is to emulate and show and perfect the most beautiful ways of khuluq. The mission was to show and teach beautiful khuluq. And so many texts about the importance of khuluq and how it is the most important thing 
of deeds on the day of judgment. Nothing weighs more on the day of judgment on the scales than beautiful khuluq. مَا مِنْ شَيْءٍ أَثْقَلُ فِي مِزَانِ الْمُؤْمِنِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَّا حُسْلُ الْخُلُقِ There is nothing that weighs heaviest on the scales on the day of judgment than beautiful khuluq. And it is something that I and we perhaps have lost as an ummah, have lost this legacy of khuluq. Really uh, think about that, both at an individual level and then at a community level. Now, on that first page, before we look at how it is attained, and inshallah, I've decided to spend more time on this topic from the book. So we may take two or even three sessions. Wallahu a'lam. From the book and also some additional aspects that would be important to truly understand the contents in the book and the model of Rasulullah for us in khuluq. There's a list of essential khuluq. And remember that all of these are in effect the state of my qalb, the state of my spiritual heart. Let's look at them. Ilm, knowledge, knowing Allah Azza wa Jal, knowing his sharia, knowing what he loves, knowing what he hates. Versus the sickness of jahl, of ignorance. So ilm is a khuluq, is a beautiful khuluq. And jahl or ignorance is a disease. Now, we have the khuluq, the beautiful one, and the ugly one, and it's opposite. And all of those opposites, the vices or the ugly khuluq, you can liken them to terrible physical diseases, except worse. Because they are diseases of the qalb and the heart, and those diseases are infinitely more deadly than even physical diseases. Because those diseases affect and kill the heart, and the consequence of that is punishment in the hellfire. And physical disease does not entail that. But spiritual disease does. So this could be spiritual AIDS, spiritual diabetes, spiritual arthritis, spiritual and so forth and so on. And if I had AIDS, truly, uh, I would go to the doctor tomorrow. I would find the best doctor. And I would leave no stone unturned. No matter how much it costs, I would find them and I would say, cure me, cure me, cure me. No matter what it takes, cure me. But that is a physical disease. And these are more deadly. Yet, I may be not blissfully, blissfully, but the opposite of that, unaware that I even have these diseases. Perhaps some, perhaps all. Perhaps in very chronic 
and very serious stages of illness, but I may not know that. The second one, sidq, truthfulness. In speech, in deed, and in condition inside. Meaning sincerity with Allah. When I do something, do I do it for Him? Do I have truthfulness of my heart, of my intention? Or is my intention contaminated and polluted with others, with a desire to please others or gain the love or trust of others? Truthfulness at every level, speech, action, and feeling. Feelings. Are my feelings truthful for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And the opposite of that is lying. The lack of truthfulness. In speech, do I lie? And there is no such a thing really, we should not think of it as a white lie. Especially when I may be plagued by lying. I should never lie. There are some permissible lies, quote-unquote, in the sharia that are regulated, but I shouldn't look towards exceptions. I should never lie if I have to fix myself from lying. Lying Black lies, little lies, big lies, white lies, lying even in jest. That's a disease. And then being unfaithful at another level in my, in my deeds, even in my feelings, to lie with my feelings. I'm not truly truthful with Allah with my feelings. Amana, trustworthiness, if I'm given something to look after. If I'm privy to a secret or to someone's confidence, even though it's not stated, someone shares something with me and they don't say it's my secret, but it's clear that I am entrusted in some way. Do I maintain that trust? Do I breach that trust? Am I a traitor and treacherous in that sense? And the opposite is khiyana. Deceit, deception, treachery, haya or hishma, modesty. Modesty is a is not a great translation. Modesty, sensitivity, it includes many things, meaning that I am aware of Allah watching me, and therefore the way that I am at every level is conditioned by his gaze on me. The way I dress, the way I walk, the way I talk, I don't speak in a vulgar way, I don't use unbecoming language, my conduct, the way I conduct myself, the way I move, hmm? the way I, ah, the way I speak, everything I do it with haya or bashfulness or modesty. And the opposite of that is bada'a, vulgarity, crudeness. Not necessarily vulgar in the sense of you know, what we understand to be foul language, but crude. I'm crude in the way I speak. I'm crude in the way I deal. I'm crude in the way I walk. Right? I don't have to give examples of that, but some walks are crude. They're crass. Sometimes the way we behave with people, even if we don't say something, you know, it could be even a symbol. That's lack of haya. 
That's crudeness. That's bada'a. Hmm. And remember, all of these, all of these are states of the heart. So if I have that disease, it's gonna come out. It's gonna come out with my tongue. It's gonna come out with my deeds. But if I look at it at that level, that's a symptom. That's a symptom. Just like when I have a cold, I sneeze. The problem is not that I sneeze. That's symptomatic. The problem is I have a cold. So when I disobey Allah in these ways, well, the real crux of the matter is the disease that ails my, my qalb. Rahma, uh, karam, generosity. Rasulullah it's related that he never said no. Never said no if someone needed anything. Never. Poetry about him says, were it not for the tashahud, ashadu Allah, he'd never say no. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Generous. Not only physically, I must remind myself, emotionally. Emotionally generous. With my time. With my emotions. Listening to others. Giving people time. With resources, external and internal. Generous. Versus bukhl, shuh, miserliness. I don't like to give. I have money. That's an obvious example. I don't like to spend. And sometimes I have a lot of money and people ask me, do I have money? And I say no. I even conceal that. So I don't like to give big things or little things. And then I don't like to give of my time. Don't like to give of my energy. Don't like to give my of my emotional resources. Right? And then, Rahma. Mercy. Merciful love. Kindness. Softness. Forgiveness. Gentleness. Versus the opposite. Qasawa. Harshness. Harshness in speech. Indeed. In feeling. I don't feel. That's an, that's an aspect of qasawa. I don't feel. I'm unfeeling. Not only with respect to the needs and, and hurt of others, but with Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah tells me to do something. Allah warns me of something. Allah tells me of a punishment. And there's no response internally. There's no feeling. It's almost as though I am dead. Heart. The heart is like a rock. It's become hard. Nothing can penetrate it. Not Allah's light. Not anything. It's opaque. It's opaque and resistant to admonition, to warning, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. And the way I deal with people is harsh. I think you would know that. Taqwa. To... Be conscientious of Allah Azza wa Jal, that He's watching me, that He knows. And the opposite of that, which many ulama say is the root of all vice. The root of all vice is to be self-satisfied and in a state of heedlessness. You see, if I think that I'm okay, that's the root of all of these vices. Because I will never change. If I think I'm okay and I'm blind to my own deficiencies and faults and I don't see them, that is 
the root of all of the decay. Because all of these illnesses will become stronger, become worse, more severe, and I won't even know until it's too late. So ghafla, to be heedless of my own state, and to be heedless of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if I know what He loves, if I know that He's watching me, I will watch myself. If I know He's watching me, I will be much more conscientious about what I say, what I do, and most importantly, what I am inside of feeling, of thought, of emotion. Zuhud. Uh, restraint, austerity. Right? Zuhud is not that I live a poor life. Zuhud is that what is of the material world of dunya does not capture my heart. I am not attached to dunya. I don't have a violent connection and love for things. And things could mean physical things, but also power, name and fame. That's also a thing in dunya. So zuhud means my heart is not attached to that. Even though I have a lot of it. I can have, I can be a millionaire, but be a zahid. In the sense that no matter what I have, it's in my hand, but it's not in my qalb. So then I'm a zahid then I have zuhud. It's not, it's a merely transactional attachment to dunya. I just use it to get to akhirah. But I'm not attached to it, not violently attached to it. If it's taken away from me, I couldn't care. And if it's given to me, I couldn't care. There's a story of Abu Hanifa, rahimullah, he's sitting and teaching, his students, someone comes to whisper something in his ear, so he looks down at his qalb, looks up and continues. The person comes back, whispers into his ear, he looks down into his heart, looks up and continues. The students ask him at the end, Ya Sayyidi, what happened? He said, and Abu Hanifa was a businessman and he was quite wealthy. He said, the first time they came to tell me all of your ships sunk. All of your goods, your ships, they all sunk. So I looked into my heart and there was nothing, not a ripple of disappointment. And I said, Alhamdulillah, and I continued. Then they came and said, it wasn't yours. Someone else's ship sunk. So he said, I looked into my heart and there wasn't a ripple of joy that it wasn't mine. And I said, Alhamdulillah, and I continued. So that's the maqam of zuhd. That's the maqam of zuhd, even though he was very wealthy. And I could be very poor, but I'm always wanting, wanting, wanting. So I'm not a zahid, because my heart is attached. If I would have more, I would want more. So I, I'm not a zahid. I'm the opposite. I am tama'ah. I want. There's a hole in me of wanting that can't be quenched, that can't be filled. A wanting void. That's tamar. I want, I want, I want. And when I don't get, 
I have an uneasiness, in particular of worldly things. I want more, I want more. That's a terrible disease. Because the nafs is never fulfilled. I will keep wanting and filling myself with things and I will never get enough. And I will keep racing after that until I die. And all that energy that could have been spent in investing in akhirah will be lost. Qana'a I'm happy with little. I'm happy with whatever Allah gives me. So Imam al-Shafi'i rahimullah has a poem that if you and the king who has everything, actually if you have qana'a, then you are you are as rich as the king, if not more. Because everyone wants to be satisfied, to be happy. And if my heart is attached to things, things come, things go. So I'm never happy. My happiness is dependent on the variability or the absence or presence of something else. So I've ceded power over my happiness to something else, to dunya. And dunya is ever changing. But qana'a is to be happy with whatever Allah gives me. Little or a lot. To be very happy. Then I will be the happiest person on earth. If we have children, it's one of the things, if we want our children to be happy, then above and beyond education and so forth, to instill in them qana'ah. Then if they have a lot, they're happy. If they have a little, they're happy. They're always happy. And the opposite of that is, um, again, the idea of tama' of love, of greed, of covetousness, always wanting. Adal, just to be fair, regardless, in good times, in bad times, against the ones I love, the ones that are my friends, the ones who are my enemies, I'm always fair. I'm just, I'm equitable, always, no matter who, against me or for me, against my tribe, and we do have tribes, you know, not like the old days, suddenly we think that we're beyond tribalism, we're probably more a more tribalistic society than any time in you know the ancients ever ever had we could call it nationalism we could call it many things small towns uh, don't get me started but yes the idea of 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 tribalism uh, and the opposite of that is or of adl is zulm injustice injustice right dhikr remembering Allah Azza wa Jal, to always be in a state of dhikr. That there are, for example, levels of dhikr in which a person is never unmindful of Allah. The awliya, the, those drawn near to Allah Azza wa Jal, you know, of our teachers and of those who came before, they're always remembering Allah, always. Some of them, you know, one of my teachers told me that he had heard of someone, right? And I think I know who he was speaking about. That when he sleeps, you hear him in sleep. Allah, 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 like that. And this is not a fairy tale. 
at that level, even in sleep, he's remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in wakefulness, definitely so. Uh, and the idea is to reach a level where most of our time, we are in dhikr of Allah azza wa jal. But I may not be like that. Probably most of my time, I'm not in, remembering, in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, I'm open to the attacks of shaitan and open to the attacks of my, of my nafs. Tawadu' to be humble, genuinely humble. To not feel that I'm better than someone else. As a matter of fact, to feel that everyone else is better than me. Now that, you know, in modern psychology sounds horrific, right? But in our Islamic psychology, that's healthy. That I feel, and that feeling doesn't make me despondent or lazy. It makes me work harder. So it's actually good for me. But the feeling that I don't tower myself inside over other believers or in general all of Allah Ta'ala's creation. I feel myself lesser. I feel myself lesser. And the opposite of that is kibr. And how serious is that as a disease? If you have one mustard seed of kibr, you won't enter Jannah. You'll have to be purified in the fire. Because one mustard seed in Jannah is enough to spoil Jannah. That's how serious that disease is of kibr. Right? And kibr is what? I, I consider myself better than others. I look down upon them with a feeling of despising them. And I reject truth when it comes. If someone brings me something which is truth, gently, then I reject it. Stubborn. I'm stubborn about rejecting the truth. Even though I can use all kinds of dini arguments and pretend like, yes, no. That would be kibr. Ikhlas, sincerity for Allah Azza wa Riya, the opposite. To do something because of show off. I do something because I want to gather or to gain the heart or some other benefit of someone other than Allah, in particular acts of ibadah. Shukr, to be grateful, to be thankful inside with my qalb, even for little things, doesn't have to be big things. And to Allah Azza wa Jal, and when Allah sends bounties to me through His creation of small things, I'm thankful. I appreciate that. I appreciate the things that other people do for me, big or small. And the opposite of that is kufranun ni'mah. I'm an ingrate. I don't appreciate that, big or small. I don't see Allah's favors. And the last one, and not the least one, is sabr, patience. That is, in doing good, in staying away from evil, and when difficulty afflicts me in those three circumstances, I, I struggle inside to, to contain my dissatisfaction. The least level of sabr is I don't say anything or do anything which is unbecoming. That's the least level. Then I'm, I'm sabr. Meaning what? I don't say why. 
I don't respond in, a, in an angry way, in, a, uh, in an affected way. And I don't do anything, obviously, with my limbs. But I contain that in struggle. That is, that's the least level, that's to have sabr. And that, you know, containing that inner fire of discontent, that inner fire is good because it burns, it burns the ills in me. And that's why sabr is so, so much rewarded by Allah Azza wa Jal in one ayah of the Qur'an, infinitely rewarded by Allah. Because it's an inner struggle that no one sees. One of the secrets of why Sawm is so valued by Allah Azza wa Jal. Because the essence of Sawm is Sabr. And Sabr is a hidden ibadah. And because it's hidden, it has ikhlas. And the opposite of that is haste or anger. The reason why we took so much time is that I can understand the beautiful khuluq and the diseases of my heart. And everything on the right is a disease, a deadly disease of the heart. And the ulama say that all of these would be classified as the killer diseases, the cancers of the heart. If I have one or all or some, I am in spiritual jeopardy. Though I may not feel that. Though I may feel perfectly healthy, perfectly okay, I'm not. I'm actually on the precipice and I can go either way. So I'm in spiritual danger. Now, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's khuluq. We are meant to be like that. Ilm, Sidq, Amana, Haya, Karam, Rahma, Taqwa, Zuhud, Qana'a, Adl, Dhikr, Tawadu', Ikhlas, Shukr, Sabr. Before I die. My Qalb should be beautiful like that. And my dealings with others should be on those grounds. I deal with them like that. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was the epitome of khuluq. There is no creation of Allah Azza wa Jal who exemplified these beautiful heart traits more than him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you could find people that you know who have beautiful khuluq. And even beyond what you may even think and, and see, and you could be dazzled by that. But rest assured, some facet of that diamond has a flaw. Very beautiful khuluq of those of the awliya. But somewhere there's a flaw, a few flaws. And even the khuluq that they have is a beautiful level, but his, sallallahu alayhi wasallam was at the utmost level. He had all of these to perfection. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And therefore, the text regarding his heart. That Allah Azza wa Jal, this comes in a hadith, looked at the hearts of creation, all of creation, and found the heart of Rasulullah to be the best and the purest. And then he istafahu, he selected him for himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then sent him to all of us, that we also may be loved by Allah 
by following what Allah loves in His beloved, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then Allah looked at the hearts of creation, of all of creation, minus the anbiya and the prophets, and then He found the hearts of the Sahaba to be the most beautiful hearts. So this is a very telling hadith, because in the example of the Sahaba are examples of the most beautiful hearts. And when Allah saw their hearts, He selected them to be the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And there are long discussions, obviously, right? That Rasulullah's heart was purified. I don't want to go into the details of that. On four occasions, when he was younger and when he was sent as a prophet and so forth, uh, and cleansed and purified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are texts which actually, you know, for example, he says that his eyes sleep. Because, for example, he would wake up from sleeping and he wouldn't make wudu, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he would simply pray. Then he's asked by one of his wives, radiallahu ta'ala anha, Ya Rasulullah, and he says, Ya Aisha, my eyes sleep, but my heart does not. My eyes sleep, but my heart does not. It's always in a state of communion and dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many texts of that. And for that heart to receive wahi, communication from the infinite, for that heart to see angels, for that heart to know and to be shown aspects of the unseen, for that heart to see Jibreel in his true form, what kind of a heart must that have been? Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. So the purest, the most beautiful, the most noble heart. And the sunnah is that I follow that heart that my heart must be like his heart as much as possible, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And that is part of my struggle. And the mujahada, now, how do I attain khuluq? In general, this is a big topic, but in general, there's one of two ways. The easy way, the difficult way. The easy way is, Allah gives it to you as a gift. And each of us have aspects of that. You might find some of those beautiful khuluq easy. Some, someone is naturally modest. Haya. Just naturally. They don't have to learn it. That's their nature. So that's a gift. A beautiful gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. Some is naturally generous. Just by nature. You've met people like that. One brother I know, he doesn't have and he will give. He just keeps giving until it hurts and he keeps giving. Naturally. Those are gifts from Allah Azza wa Jal. However, rare is the one who has all of the gifts. So the rest of that is struggle, life. The purpose of life, to struggle, to attain that. And there is no easy answer for that. If I find that I have, I'm miserly, I force myself to give. 
So, number one, I go against that. The first is to recognize I've got a problem. So, inshallah, Allah has enough rahmah on me that I see the faults of myself. Sometimes I don't even know that I'm a miser. And that's the worst kind of punishment. So I see that I've got a problem. Okay, now I go against it. I have to force myself to give. A little, a lot. Force, do the opposite. Number two, a lot of dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. Because dhikr is a cleanser for the qalb. So dhikr is cleansing my entire qalb of these evils. So whatever that evil may be, part of my qalb is miserly. A lot of dhikr is washing and cleansing that. And it'll make the mujahada easy. And mujahada is another way of saying sabr. To struggle with sabr. Number two, a lot of dhikr. Number three, a lot of dua. And part of that dua is salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of the, the secrets and barakat that exist in salawat of cleansing the qalb. Mujahada, struggle, dhikr, struggle. Dhikr is actually a type of mujahada. It's the most important sort of struggle, which is dhikr. Because mujahada means many things. And the most important type of mujahada of struggle is kathratu dhikr. A lot of dhikr. How do you know how much is a lot? You'll know. A lot. And when Allah says dhikr in the Quran, He always has dhikran kathira. He never has just make dhikr. A lot of, most of my day should in one way or another be in remembrance of Allah. With my body, with my tongue and most importantly with my heart I must have him in my heart at least and then I'll be in dhikr of Allah and a lot of dua to ask Allah to change me because I can't do it myself without his help subhanahu wa ta'ala now we have examples of the khuluq of Rasulullah to see the practically how to emulate him in the development of that khuluq. So Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Noon, Allah Ta'ala says, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Noon, wal-qalami wa ma yasturoon, by the pen and that which they write, ma anta bi ni'mati rabbika bi majnoon, you are not by the grace of Allah, you are not mad, wa inna laka la ajran ghayra mamnoon, and you will have an endless reward, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And you have a tremendous khuluq. Allah is praising the khuluq of Rasulullah wasallam. And how does he do that? Number one, by the pen. He takes an oath. You see, everything that the angels write, by the pen and that which they write, all that the angels could write of beauty and khair, Allah takes an oath by that. That will not rival your khuluq. And all of what could be written, Wallahu a'lam, this is perhaps another meaning of that, all of what could be written of beautiful character throughout the ages cannot rival your khuluq. 
and by the grace of Allah, what they say about you, because the Quraysh said that he was mad, among the things that they said to assassinate his character, and Allah Ta'ala says, if they know you, that argument is ridiculous. Everything about him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his sharia, his deen, the laws, the spirituality has meaning and wisdom. For you will be an endless reward. The reward of khuluq. The reward of beautiful khuluq. وَإِنَّكَ لَا عَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Now this is untranslatable. You are on an exalted character. So in Arabic, وَإِنَّكَ إِنَّ you use for emphasis in Arabic. وَإِنَّ it means verily. وَإِنَّكَ لَا is for emphasis in Arabic. Second emphatic particle. عَلَىٰ means on, emphasis. خُلُقٍ Character, azim, tremendous. Three, three particles of emphasis. You are most certainly, assuredly, over tremendous khuluq. And azim is one of the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. Meaning every aspect of your khuluq is azim. Your bravery is tremendous. Your generosity Tremendous. Your haya, tremendous. Your truthfulness, tremendous. Your faithfulness, tremendous. Your patience, tremendous. Everything is azim. One of the ulama say, it's like you, because the verse says, you are on good character. It's like you are sitting on the throne of khuluq. You own it. You know, Allah Ta'ala is described as being on the arsh in a way that is not in any way anthropomorphic meaning Allah is beyond form, beyond space, beyond everything we don't know what the arsh his throne is but Rasulullah is described as being almost in this way on the throne of khuluq you own it you're the king of khuluq it's like Allah is telling him that sallallahu alayhi wasallam. so Lots of examples of his khuluq. Um, you know, Allah praises it. The companions praise it. Umar, all of them praise his beautiful khuluq, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I will leave that for you to read. And i just get into a few examples. Yeah, we have five minutes? Yeah, khairan. I want to get into some examples. So, the way in which I've divided it, I shuffled it around a little with friends and with wives and family, and then with people in general, and then with children. So, and this is only one aspect of the chapter. There's another, the part two of Khuluk, which we'll inshallah get to. So, with, with his family, if you look at all of the texts, he's gentle with them, so rifq, he's gentle. He's patient with them. He's forgiving with them. He is humorous with them. And friendly with them. He is helpful with them. He actually helps in the house. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He mends his own shoes. He mends the rips in his own garment. He sweeps the house. And he is very generous with them. 
These are his wives and his family. So, examples. Um, this is actually a very beautiful example. Um, there's so many, and inshallah we'll try to get to all of them, or most of them. He is speaking to his wives and some women. And the women are either related to him, or they are women in the presence of his wives, and it's a group. So there's no problem. He's giving them, he's speaking to them, and they are loud. They're raising their voices. So they're being very forceful. And so Umar radiallahu ta'ala an enters. And he hears this. And he gets the shock of his life. And he says to them, and he has very stern words, right? Because their voices are raised over Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's bad adab, right? And then he says, you know, something like, you enemies of deen. He doesn't mean it literally like that, but he's extremely livid, you know? And then they all hush. Actually, they see him and they hush. This is what happens. They see him and they hush. And then he's, he gets even more angry. And he goes, you don't do that with Rasulullah and you do that with me? And then he chastises them. And then Rasulullah laughs. And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, how can this be? That they're like this when they see me, but with you, they're so loud and then he asks them, you know, oh you enemies of deen. <laughs> you know, and then she says, then they say, because you are harsh, and you are stern, and he is not like that. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Very interesting. Allah Azzawajal says in the Quran, that it's by Allah's rahmah, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةِ مِنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ it's by Allah's rahmah that you were soft with them, everyone. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيدَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Had you been harsh or stern of heart, they would have fled away from you. So from his special characteristics is that softness, that easiness with everyone, good and bad, as a general rule. And because of that, people remained with him. Even those who, who didn't like him, they were won over by that love. Had he been harsh, people would have fled from him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala an with his wives, um, many texts about the best of you is the one that is the best to his family in khuluq. For obvious reasons. When you're outside, we put on a face. When we're inside, then the family sees what truly the inner demon. Right? When you're tired, annoyed, irked, right? Bored, upset, it all comes out within those four walls. And your wife or husband, they see the real you. And therefore, the beautiful khuluq, that litmus test is inside with the family. With the family that we take for granted. So many ahadith, the best of you is the best to his women folk. And I am the best to my women folk, said he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
خياركم خياركم لأهلكم The best of you are the best to their family. Many, many texts on that. And examples of that. So there's a few ones that'll, that will dazzle you. This one. He is with a delegation. Yeah, a political delegation. Important people. And then one of his wives sends a gift of food in a dish. And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha is is taken by this jealousy. Right? She, she just feels overcome by jealousy. Our mother, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. So she takes that dish and she throws it on the floor and it shatters in front of notables, important people. Your wife does that to you in front of important people. So what's his reaction? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He bends down, he picks up the pieces, and then he says, look what your mother has done. Look what your mother has done. Not look what Aisha has done. Look what your mother has done. And Aisha feels so bad that she, she, <laughs> she buys another dish and she gives it as a gift to, the, to that wife. Now, that's in a moment of crisis. And that's when khuluq comes out. See, khuluq is not to be good to those who are good to us. And khuluq is not to be good when I have the time to be, to plan to be good. Khuluq is when something happens and then what's in me just comes out naturally. So what was in him was this tremendous Muhammadan composure and calm and peace. This ocean of peace. And it comes out in many aspects in the seerah. When they're in the cave and the whole world is colliding and collapsing, he says to Abu Bakr, don't worry. So that's an ocean of peace. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Inshallah we're out of time. We will continue to go through those examples next week. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. ونشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله. شكرا very much. We ask you to kindly for the bottom door. Um, remember, classes start immediately after Ishai, so please arrive from that time. Inshallah. Wish you a safe journey. Oh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.